chapter 6. And, and today we're winding down and we've been looking at the Lord's Prayer one line at a time. And uh, it's been an interesting series. I've really enjoyed working through this. We've been learning and we've been relearning. And in some cases, we've been unlearning how to pray and what it means to pray. And so as we've done each week, we try to look at it from a big picture view, and then we zero in on one particular line. And so if you look at the Lord's Prayer from this big picture view, you notice that from adoration we pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then in submission we pray, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then from for provision we say, Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then finally, for protection, the line that we've saved for today from verse 13. In the Lord's Prayer, we're asking for protection, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, I want to look at three things from this text of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13 today. Uh, first, I want to say a word about temptation. And then second, I want to say a word about the word temptation. And then third, I want to say a word about expecting temptation. And I want to do all of that while avoiding any reference to or lyrics by... Got it. If you're not sure, ask somebody really old and they'll tell you who the group is. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's talk about a word about temptation. Uh, the Bible teaches us many things about temptation, and especially as Scripture will often reference the evil one. Um, so just a quick summary, and I'm just going to go through this really fast, but listen, if you want to sit down sometime and, and talk through some of this stuff, I'm happy to do that with you. So, so if you just take a, a quick run through the Bible, and, and, and there's several passages in the New Testament, I think the most important thing you need to understand is that the, the evil one, he's your adversary. He's against you. Uh, uh, no matter what he might bring to you or say to you otherwise, he's not your friend. He's your adversary. He's against you. and In fact, Peter says the evil one is like a roaring lion, and he, he roams about, and he has one purpose in mind. Who can I devour? Who can I destroy? But we also know that if we will submit our lives to God, that even in the moment of temptation, if we will submit to God, if we will yield to him, the evil one has no choice but to flee from us to run away. Now, who has the real power here? Now, the Bible also teaches us many things about temptation and also God. For example, God cannot be tempted by evil. He can't. And in turn, God does not tempt anyone. And this is a very important distinction in Scripture, that God cannot be tempted by evil and that God himself does not but we also know that all people, every single one of us, that we are tempted in a myriad of ways. We are, we are tempted in all kinds of ways. And so I think that's important for you to understand this morning that there is no such thing 
as a temptation that is completely unique to you. You haven't been singled out. But God, from his faithfulness, because he is good, because he loves us, because he is for us, in every single temptation we face, God will provide a way out. Now, there's also one more thing that we learn, and this is very important when the Bible gives this broad view, this big, big picture of temptation, that Jesus faced every temptation known to humanity. Every temptation, and yet, he did not sin. He did not give in. And so this is why the scriptures encourage us that in our time of need, through prayer and through petition, we can come to the throne and we can speak to the one who intercedes for us on behalf of our life to the Father, and there we can find grace and mercy in our time of need. So that's our word about temptation, and uh, it's a good word. It really is. That God is overwhelmingly for us and is on our side. Now, I want to talk about uh, two words, actually. The first word I want to talk about in this text of Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13 is, you may notice, depending on the Bible translation that you're reading out of, it says, and deliver us from evil, or maybe there is a footnote that says, Deliver us from the evil one. Okay, so this particular uh, word in Greek, it does mean evil. It does mean uh, wickedness. And in fact, isn't the word evil a fun word to say? Right? It, it, it sounds like, I'd like James Earl Jones to stand up and evil, you know? It sounds so mysterious and nefarious. I mean, evil, right? I'm, I'm resisting a movie line, so we'll just move on. But it's used as a metaphor in the scripture also to describe the evil one. In other words, that the devil is the purveyor of evil and wickedness. And so, therefore, in your Bible translations, when it says deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, it's talking about the same thing. It's talking about the same thing. Okay, now let's talk a second about, uh, about this word temptation. Okay. Uh, this is a bit harder word because uh, in English, we'll see the word temptation, but the Greek word has more nuance than that. In fact, prior to New Testament times and New Testament writing, the word was not universally understood as temptation. And so even in the Bible, you'll see this same Greek word appear, but sometimes it means trial. And sometimes it means test. And sometimes it means temptation. And so you have this one Greek word that can mean anything from a test to a trap. And it's translated in different ways throughout the New Testament. So it gives us a little bit of struggle because there is a difference between a test and a trap. Those are two different things. Right? I mean, in, in, in one, you're shouting out, let's see what this baby will do. In the other, you're hearing license and registration, please. See, there's a difference between a speed test and a speed trap. Those are two different things. And when it comes to this concept in both Greek and English, there is a difference between a God who will test 
and the evil one who will tempt. So there's a difference there because they have at their heart, a test has its fundamental aim for you to succeed, for you to grow in faith. For you to be able to identify some part of your life that is not completely or wholly devoted to the Lord. But whereas a trap has as its aim to kill your faith, to squash you, to make you fall. And so we see this in Scripture that that God does test. You see, if we're to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is how we can make sense of these Bible passages that tell us you should welcome testing. You should count it a joy when you're tested. Because what God is doing in His love and His care and His mercy for you is He's showing you this one part of your heart that is not fully committed to Him. And so the purpose of that is not to to beat you down, not to devastate you, not to crush you. The purpose of that is to say, okay, right here, right here, this is where I need to give myself more fully to the God who loves me. So um, I've heard before that people say, well, you know, God tests us because he wants us to pass the test, because he wants us to prove that he was right in choosing him. No. No, the purpose of a test is to prove in our own heart, in our own mind, in our own will, in our own strength, our devotion and our delight in the God who loves us. Now, the purpose of a trap, on the other hand, is to destroy heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's what the purpose of the trap is. In fact, we even call it falling into a trap. A trap is set, and the trap is sprung. And if you've ever had a mouse trap go off on your finger, you know that traps hurt. They hurt. And so the purpose of a trap, because the evil one is against you, he's not your friend, it's to quench your love for God. It's to make you doubt. It's to quell the sufficiency of Christ as your Savior. That's what he wants out of this. And because God is for us, he gives us the strength that we need to resist. Because God is for us, perhaps we can look at this line in the Lord's Prayer as Jesus saying, pray then like this, may we not be so easily led in temptation. Oh Lord, may my heart be so captured with your beauty. May my heart be so captured with your glory that that is the most enticing thing to me in this moment. So we pray, deliver us, Lord, from the evil one. Now let's finish with a word about expecting temptation. Whoever said that problems go away when you become a Christian, well, they lied to you. It's a lie, Stephen. 
they're not telling you the truth. Uh, the petition of the Lord's Prayer that we're looking at right now, don't you see that it's teaching us otherwise? It's telling us something different, something deeper, that we should expect both testing and temptation. And so when Jesus first teaches his disciples to pray this way, I think there are at least three things we need to consider. First, the experience of Jesus. Second, the experience of the disciples. And then I want to look quickly at the specific experience of Peter. Uh, you see, early in his ministry, when we consider the experience of Jesus, Jesus is led into the wilderness, the Bible says, to be tempted by the devil. And after a period of fasting for 40 days, when Jesus is weak in the flesh, the devil comes to him with traps, seeking to make him fall, to thwart his mission on earth. And even though Jesus, his flesh was weak, his spirit was more than willing, his spirit was strong, so he did not yield to temptation. He did not fall into the trap. And so maybe one way that we can look at Jesus teaching his followers in this moment is from a personal view. I've been there. I've been through this. It was awful. So you pray, lead us not into temptation. So maybe we can see Jesus saying, I pray that you will never have to go through this. And then second, we see the experience of the disciples. They don't know it yet, though they're getting ready to. If it's a test, if it's a trap, I'm not really sure. Maybe that's something we can talk about later. But something lies ahead for them. Um, Jesus knows that they're going to fail this test. He knows that they're going to fall into this trap. I'm just going to say one or the other, and you just choose whichever one you think it is. So there's something that lies ahead for the followers of Jesus. And so early on when Jesus is teaching them to pray, maybe we can see this as him pointing towards something that is in their future. You see, on the night of his betrayal and his arrest, Jesus warns the disciples of the reality of their failure. In fact, Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31, Jesus says, You will all fall away because of me. And then Jesus employs a very graphic metaphor that says, strike down the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. Now, after hearing this, all the disciples, every single one of them says, no, Lord, no, no, not us. We're all in. We're with you all the way, Lord. No, no, we, we, we believe you. We're all in. But this proves to be a very hard promise to keep. For when the shepherd is in fact struck down, the sheep did scatter. One more. The experience of Peter. You see, in this event, Peter takes it one step further. From Matthew 26, 33, we see Peter being, I love Peter. I just really do. 
I mean, do you have a list of the first people you want to talk to, right? Uh, Peter says, you know, and you got to imagine this. Jesus has just told the group of followers, you're all going to fall away on account of me. And Peter says, yeah, the rest of you losers might. But not me, Lord. You and me, we're like this. You're the tall one. You know, and so Peter, like he stands up in front of the entire group and says, Lord, though they may all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. So that's the setting. So there's this moment when Jesus is about to face his trial by men that Peter will face his trial by a fire. And Jesus knows this is ahead. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to look at a very interesting passage. It's it's found in the Gospel of Luke chapter 22. And I want you to see what Jesus is saying here to Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, this is Luke twenty-two thirty-one. Behold, Satan demanded to have you that he may sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. Do you see what Jesus is telling Peter here? Jesus is telling Peter, listen, the evil one has asked to subject you to scrutiny. It's the story of Job all over again. I mean, I, for one, hope that my name never comes up in this kind of heavenly conversation, right? Though I've kind of figured out how and when it would come up, right? You see, see all the, the people of, all the heavenly people will be talking, so I, I've actually, by much, you know, risk, been able to gain a transcript of the time that they talked about me. It went something like this. Have you considered my servant Beth? And then someone said, yes, but she has to put up with Randy. Hasn't she been tested enough? And the heavenly person said, yep, you're right. Let's move on. What's the next name on the list? Have you considered my servant Ken? You know, that's pretty much how this, sorry, Ken, that's got something ahead of you in your future, but that's just the way it goes. Jesus says to Peter, Satan has asked to shake you. He wants to sift you. He wants to set a trap for you. And God said it was okay. And God said it was okay. So I want you to expect to be tested. I want you to know that the evil one is coming after you, Peter. And because he asked and because God said, yes, Peter, I have been praying for you. Did you see that? I've been, notice the two things that Jesus is praying for. First, he says, I've prayed that your faith may not fail. That your faith may not fail. 
See, I think what's happening here is that he's telling Peter, you're going to fail the test. You're going to fail the test. But even though you're going to fail the test, I'm praying that your faith doesn't fail. And the second thing that he's saying is when you return, when you come back, strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Jesus is telling Peter, listen, you're going to be sifted, you're going to be shaken, and you, yes, even you, Peter... As much as you think that you love me, as much as you know that you love me, when the moment comes, you too will scatter. But don't let the failure of the test make your faith fail. And when you return, you can strengthen your brothers. See, Peter would, he would flee to his own wilderness, of his own making. He would be isolated because of his shame. But, but Jesus says, you can return from this. You can come back from this. See, his failure doesn't need to define him. It doesn't need to. Because his weakness, by the grace of God, can be turned into strength. And at the end of the day, isn't that what we all hope for? That somewhere in our own weakness, God will use it in our own life and for others to show the manifly of his grace. So Jesus says, Peter, I'm praying for you. And, and, and what we can see here is that Jesus is really telling Peter the same thing he has just said in the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So I want to tell you that even though, even if, even when, you can't avoid the first petition in this prayer, that you find yourself in temptation, because it's inevitable that you will face temptation, that you can find refuge and you can find rescue in the second line, deliver me from the evil one. Now, do you know what Peter says in response to all of this, right? If you and I were, well, because we've read the story. But do you know what Peter says in response to all of this? He says, balderdash. Or as my grandfather used to say, hogwash. Or as someone dear to us used to say, not going to do it. I mean, Peter denies it, and he denies it, and he denies it. And yet that night in the garden... Jesus even repeats a version of this line in the Lord's Prayer when he says to Peter, James, and John, watch and pray that you will not enter into temptation for the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's saying the same thing. It's saying the same thing in the next morning before the rooster crows to announce the new day. Peter fails the test. Having denied Jesus, as Jesus said, three times. This is probably the pivotal moment in the life of Peter and the pivotal moment for us as well in the same situation. After failing to live up to his word, after failing the test, the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. The natural response to failing a test, to failing in temptation, is to despair. That is a natural response. 
But listen, what you need to understand here is that, that, that being aware uh, of your failure is one thing, but letting that awareness lead you down a path of darkness to where the only thing you can say now is, I'm worthless, I'm worthless, I'm worthless, I'm worth nothing to anyone. That's taking you down the road the evil one wants you to go. And so part of saying deliver us from the evil one is delivering us from that own problem in our heart to say, listen, it is natural to despair. It is natural to be disappointed, but we do not have to be defined by our failure. We don't. We don't have to let the evil one have the final word. We don't. Because today we've seen a better word. We've seen a greater word. We've seen a deeper word that greater is the one who is in us than the one who is in the world. Listen, it's one thing to fail, but it's another thing to let your failure be the devil's playground. Lead us not into temptation, but when we fall, deliver us from the evil one. There's a kind of sorrow a kind of grief that leads to death. But there's another kind of sorrow, another kind of grief that leads to repentance, that leads to salvation. And Peter finds this in that moment when he is weeping bitterly. And because God is for you, because he wants to heal you, because he wants to save you, because he wants to sanctify you, he wants to make you tamper-proof. He wants you to succeed. And he turns, and only he turns, the sorrow of this moment into joy. And so Peter, the one who is grieved by failure, the one who learns from failure, the one who at one point in his life is shifting sand becomes solid as a rock. And you know what he tells us about times of trial, about times of testing? I just have to read this to you. From 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hmm. Amen. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You know why you're not a failure? Oh, you failed the test. You did. You got the worst possible score anybody could ever get. But Jesus got the best possible score anyone could ever get. And we get to switch scores. We get his score... And he gets our score. And so we stand on the sufficiency of Jesus Christ, who not only 
has to switch scores with us, but he springs us from the trap. So when it comes to facing temptation, when it comes to facing the schemes of the evil one, when we pray this in the Lord's Prayer, this line, and if you think about it, the Lord's Prayer in general, we're recognizing first our helplessness. That's what we're doing. And then second, we're recognizing that Jesus and Jesus alone is sufficient for salvation. He alone withstood every temptation. And so we surrender and we submit our lives in trust, in obedience to the Father to rescue us from the evil one. Would you stand with me? And would you join me as these words on screen and let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And the church said, Amen. Let's pray. Father God, Abba, we adore you. We do. Even though our lives often betray this fact, we love you. We love you. And we surrender our lives to you because we want to trust in your provision and we know that you alone give us the protection that we need. So, Holy Spirit, apply this teaching. May the gospel bear on our hearts today. Through Jesus our Savior we pray.